But wait, there's more. Hi, everybody. It's Terry O'Reilly here, and we're happy to announce something we've never offered before. It's our But Wait, There's More subscriber package. If you're a fan of Under the Influence, you'll get more than ever before. You'll get more bonus episodes like the live recording and audience Q&A we did recently at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival, exclusive for subscribers only. You'll get more podcasts with additional stories. You'll get early access so you can listen to all of our new shows before anyone else. You'll get all of our episodes, including archives, ad-free. Tisk tisk. I won't judge. You'll be invited to Ask Me Anything sit-down chats with yours truly. You'll get first dibs on tickets for live events. You'll get big discounts on Under the Influence merchandise. And that's only the beginning, all for a few bucks a month. Just go to our show page on Apple Podcasts and tap Try Free to start your free seven-day trial. Membership has its privileges. Hmm, you should copyright that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. From the Under the Influence digital box set, this episode is from Season 2, 2013. You're soaking in it. The ability to ask questions is one of the defining aspects of the human species. It could be argued that language was developed because of the need to ask questions. 
Cavemen could always grunt and point and nod, but to ask a question, you needed words. Asking questions has led to some of our greatest discoveries and has solved some of our biggest problems. There is a Japanese philosophy about questions that I subscribe to. Essentially, it says that if you ask why five times in a row in response to a problem, you will discover the very root of the predicament. And every problem well defined is a problem half solved. I decided to try an interesting experiment. I typed the beginnings of questions into Google to see what the autocomplete function would fill in. In other words, if I type the words, why can't I dot dot dot, and let Google complete the sentence, it would tell me what the most asked questions were in the world. So, when I did type, why can't I dot 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 into the search box, the first question that popped up was, why can't I own a Canadian? I don't think I was ready for that. Okay, the second question Google listed to that query was, why can't I find a job? Followed by, why can't I gain weight? Followed by the inevitable, why can't I lose weight? When I typed, why is dot dot dot, the first question that popped up was, why is the sky blue? Followed by, why is the ocean salty? Which was then followed by what I suspect is really the most asked question of all time. Why is my internet so slow? When I typed, how can I dot 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 into the box, Google's number one question popped up asking, why can't I stop singing? If I had a nickel for every time Keith has asked that. I can't help myself. The second most asked question appears to be, why can't I grow taller? Or maybe that's just the most asked question on my computer. When I typed, where is dot dot dot, the first answer that autocomplete offered up didn't surprise me at all. It was, where is Chuck Norris? Yeah! We all want to know. The second most asked, where is question was, where is area code 202? The answer, by the way, is Washington, D.C. Clearly, questions are fascinating and answers are sometimes very surprising. As this is our last episode of the season, it's our annual tradition of dedicating this show to answering questions from our wonderful listeners. While no one asked where Chuck Norris was, I did receive some insightful questions about the world of advertising and marketing, and a few amusing ones. I've tried to answer them all the best I can, and if I didn't have an answer, I reached out to my colleagues in the marketing world. So, let your cue meet my A. You're under the influence. So let's begin today by dipping into the Under the Influence mailbag. I don't get too many handwritten letters these days, but here's one. It's from Bob Walker, and Bob writes, Every week, you seem to have at least one reference to the Beatles in the show. Am I correct? Um, well, maybe. Sometimes. Okay, yes, it's true. I try to figure out a way to get a Beatles reference into every show. And thank you, Bob, for solving the question about how I was going to do that in this week's episode. Skipping over to Facebook, Adam Kutenkuhler asks, 
Wouldn't it be so much easier to make purchases if the prices didn't always end with 99 cents? We know the everyday consumer reads 4.99 as 5 bucks. Does the penny make that much difference? Well, actually, Adam, the penny works the reverse way psychologically. We all have a tendency to round down, not up. So, a price that says, We're only $19.99, reads as $19 to most, not $20. It's called the left digit effect. People round to the number on the left. Retailers can tell you that a bin with 99 cent items beats a bin with $1 items any day of the week. It's human nature. And you'll keep seeing 99 cent prices even though the penny has disappeared. Because 99 cents is persuasive. Ian Wilson of Burnaby posted a question about fine print on our website. He says, Car commercials with seven lines of fine print shown for three seconds seems pointless. And a beer commercial where a guy gets hit with a wrecking ball in a bar and the fine print says, dramatization, do not attempt, seems kind of obvious. What are the rules about fine print in TV ads? Well, a very interesting question, Ian. Fine print is called mouse type in the ad biz, by the way. So I asked Janet Feesby at Advertising Standards Canada, and I was told the rules for fine print vary depending on the product being advertised. For example, consumer protection legislation requires the disclosure of detailed cost of credit information if financing terms are mentioned in a car commercial. And the information in the fine print must not contradict the main message of the commercial. In the words of Tom Waits, the large print giveth, but the fine print must not taketh away. You may be interested to know there is no minimum size requirement for fine print. But it must be, quote, clearly visible or audible. And just because an advertiser has tiny fine print in a TV commercial doesn't necessarily protect the company. Many consumer complaints have been upheld because the type wasn't legible. Lastly, when you see the line, a dramatization do not attempt, at the bottom of the screen, that is not a legal requirement but rather the advertiser is trying to cover its hiney should someone try to replicate the unsafe action. The fine print equivalent in radio, by the way, is this. Void were prohibited. Must be legal drinking age. Reasonable facsimile accepted. Offer ends June 30th, 2013. Unless we extend it. I'm a lawyer. I think I hurt myself. Todd Gale posted this question on Facebook. I notice a lot of the same actors in different TV ads. Does this help or hinder the brands they represent? Hmm, interesting question. Advertisers and advertising agencies are always looking for the best actors. So that often leads to the same actors appearing in multiple commercials. But you will rarely see an actor doing a competitive commercial at the same time. For example, you won't see an actress in a McDonald's commercial at the same time she's doing a Burger King ad. Whenever ad agencies check into the availability of an actor, the first question is, does he or she have any conflicts currently running in the fast food category, for example? And occasionally, a new actor appears on the scene and he or she is fantastic. An unusual face, a gift for comedic timing, etc. Suddenly, that actor is hired by several companies simply because they are the hot new thing. Does it help or hinder brands? Well, it's a case-by-case answer. 
I don't think it helps when the public starts to notice the same actor in lots of commercials. But if the performance is terrific, then it doesn't matter, and it does help the brand. Sandra Lambert asks the perennial question: Why are some ads so dumb? If they want a strong reaction from customers, does repulsiveness count too? Well, the short answer is no. No advertiser wants to look dumb, and no advertiser secretly uses repulsiveness as an advertising strategy. It all comes down to this: advertisers get the advertising they deserve. If they insist on super smart creativity from their ad agencies, they get it. If they insist on hindering the creative idea, sanding off all the interesting corners, and insisting there is a low IQ out there in TV land, they get the ads they deserve, which is to say, dumb ads. Brian Timms Facebooked us to say, "I love your program, but do not get to listen to all the episodes. So my question is, when will you write a book?" Actually, Brian, I did co-write a book based on the radio series back in 2009 called "The Age of Persuasion: How Marketing Ate Our Culture," which is available online and at finer bookstores everywhere. On the subject of books, Brad Coates says. Terry, a while back you recommended a book titled "Insanely Simple" by Ken Siegel. It was fantastic. I'm not asking you to start something like Oprah's Book Club or anything, but would love it if you would share a list of books you recommend. Happy to, Brad. If you're interested in what I think are the best marketing books, just go to my website, terryoreilly.ca, and you'll find a full list of my favorite books there and a short note about why I like them. Brad also asks, "Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck?" I have no idea how to answer that question, so I'm going to go with one horse-sized duck. And we'll be right back. If you're enjoying this episode, why not dip into our archives? Available wherever you download your pods. Go to terryoreilly.ca for a master episode list. Sarah Prescott asks, "Do those drug advertisements where they don't even mention what the drug does, so they don't have to mention the bad side effects, actually work?" Well, Sarah, there's a strange old advertising regulation in Canada. If the drug being advertised is a prescription drug, the manufacturer cannot say what it does. If it's an over-the-counter drug, they can. So that's why you see a lot of Canadian ads for Viagra or Cialis, for example, but they don't really tell you what they do. They can't, and it's not a Weasley way to avoid listing the side effects. It's actually a law preventing them from talking about what the drug does. I suppose making a claim for a prescribed drug is difficult because it might have a different effect on different people, and lawmakers want people to ask their doctors about the drugs, not rely on advertising. In the U.S., you can say what the drug does, but you have to give equal time to the side effects. That's how you can tell Canadian drug ads from American ones. Murray Sovereign sent in this question. I'd like to know how many lawyers it takes to write the copy for face cream commercials. The look of lines visibly reduced is my personal favorite. That. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Means absolutely nothing. The appearance of something appears to be less apparent. What? It all means absolutely nothing. That is the problem with a lot of advertising, Murray, especially products that have varying effects on various people. Because a skin cream's effectiveness is dependent on so many factors, like how old you are, the current state of your skin, degree of skin damage due to the sun, etc., the claims are written to straddle all possible outcomes. The unfortunate thing is that this kind of legalese casts a shadow on all advertising, making it all seem dubious and littered with loopholes. But the truth is that some products aren't very good, so a vague promise... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details covers their caboose. Others are good, but regulations, like for any product that you ingest or put on your body, prevent them from making any conclusive claims. So the wording has to be vetted. And that's the job of lawyers. Stephen at TD Barbar tweets, Maybe I'm a genius, but why haven't political campaigns used catchy jingles? It works for fast food and furniture shops. Do you mean like this? Do you want a man for president who's seasoned through and through? But that's a doggone season that he won't try something new. A man who's old enough to know. And young enough to do. Well, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's strictly up to you. Or this one. I for president. I for president. I for president. I for president. You like Ike. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike. For president. Hang out the banner. Beam the drum. Even President Obama used a jingle to reach Latino voters in his first election. Prime Minister John Diefenbaker used a political jingle back in the day, but I just couldn't find it. Toronto Mayor Mel Lastman used a jingle in the late 60s when he was running for city controller. Lastman was the bad boy, now Lastman is a good boy. Love that. The jingle was written by Terry Bush. He did it for free, hoping to get Lastman's bad boy furniture account. But all he got for his efforts was a cheesy bad boy doll. Welcome to advertising. So, Stephen at TD Barbar, it has been done. But jingles are out of favor in Adland these days, and that includes politicians. David Robbins posted this question on Facebook. Aside from maple leafs and winter motifs, do you think there is a Canadian marketing sensibility? Actually, I do, David. Sometimes it's easy to spot, other times it's not. I think it's most apparent in humorous commercials. 
I love self-deprecating humor. I think there is something endearing about it when the humor is reflected back on the product. When I wrote commercials for American companies and used self-deprecating humor, my ads were often turned down. Whereas when I did the same for Canadian companies, they were embraced. I just think gentle self-deprecating humor is part of the Canadian landscape. While this isn't a hard and fast rule, I also feel that patriotism is a powerful part of American advertising, but it isn't particularly effective in Canada. Made in the USA is not just a product feature, it is a flag waved by many brands. Here at home, made in Canada is important, but rarely the central marketing thrust per se. But as I said earlier, I would change a gear when I was writing commercials for American companies. Elizabeth Sutton and Mike Chapman both asked this question on Facebook. How has the increased use of PVRs and TiVo affected television advertisers? I've touched on this question before, but there's been some interesting research on this lately that I want to tell you about. The rate of PVR penetration in both the US and Canada is close to 40%. For a long time, advertisers worried about ad avoidance because PVRs offer viewers fast forward buttons in three speeds. But here's what recent research has shown. In a Harvard Business Review article, research firm Millward Brown stated that viewers' use of PVRs did not diminish the effectiveness of commercials. In a study of 1000 US households, of which 400 had a PVR, results showed no decrease in recall or prompted recognition of TV ads among PVR users. One interesting tidbit that came out of the research was the fact viewers had to pay close attention to the commercials while fast-forwarding through them in order to stop at the right time to rejoin their program, which, of course, aided in the impact of the ads. Furthermore, when Millward Brown showed a theater full of volunteers fast-forwarded ads, it found people were easily able to mentally process the messages. Recall was no worse than the overall average recall of television commercials. And if the viewer had seen the commercial at least once before in regular speed, the recall was even higher. When asked how much they liked the ads, viewers gave fast-forwarded commercials almost the same scores as regular speed ones. So, PVRs aren't the huge threat everyone thinks they are, at least for now. Over to Twitter again. At Prolapsed Brain asks, How can billboards still exist as a method of advertising? Seems too primitive and inefficient. Well, at Prolapsed Brain, interesting that you say it's primitive, because billboards, or posters, are probably the oldest form of advertising in recorded history. It's a medium that survived thousands of years. Here's the upside to billboards. Size and impact. It's one thing to see an ad on your mobile phone or even your TV screen. It's quite another to see a gigantic sign measuring 19 meters by 5 meters, or 62 feet by 16 feet for us pre-metric folks, staring down at you. Billboards can also be highly creative. As a copywriter, I always love the challenge and possibilities of a billboard. They can make use of context quite nicely, too. For example... A billboard for an electric car had a hole cut in it, so a branch from the tree behind it could grow through the hole. 
A billboard for McDonald's was created using actual lettuce seeds. Over the course of two weeks, the lettuce grew and spelled out fresh salads. Another billboard for Rapala fishing lures just showed a photo of a lure, but had a dozen cats sitting on top of the billboard, just waiting. The downside of billboards is, of course, visual clutter. Some cities have even outlawed billboards, like São Paulo, Brazil. So have the states of Alaska, Hawaii, Maine, and Vermont. In Toronto, a municipal tax was placed on billboards in 2010, a portion of which helps fund art programs in the city. But I always point to Apple when talking billboards. Steve Jobs consistently chose them as one of his primary mediums. Even in the digital age, selling digital products, Jobs chose to put his money into the world's oldest advertising medium, and he did okay. Troy Birch tweets: How tough is it working on beer commercials with all the imposed do's and don'ts that the government sets out? Answer: Very tough. Here are some of the beer rules. Beer ads cannot show actual consumption. There must be the same amount of beer bottles as there are people in a shot. Beer cannot be shown to be important to the enjoyment of any activity, including business success, social success, athletic prowess, achieving a goal, or solving a problem. And get this, and I quote: "Lifestyle beer ads can't be seen to be important for sexuality or sexual opportunity." Really? Have they watched beer commercials in the last twenty years? Exactly. Characters in beer commercials can't be shown with beer before, in anticipation of, or involving activities demanding care, skill, or attention. Those are just some of the regulations, and they vary from province to province. Which partially answers the question that Thomas Lewis LaForest asked about the difference between provinces when it comes to advertising. So, with all those rules in the beer category, try being creative. It's enough to drive you to drink. I want to take this moment to thank you, our listeners, for a great season. Not only do you send me interesting articles and links, which I always look at, but you also send me great episode ideas too. We make the show for you, so your input is always welcome and appreciated. The questions we answered today are no exception, but of one thing there is no question, and that is how amazing the people are behind the scenes at Under the Influence. And being that this is our last show of the season, I'd like to tell you who those people are. Our incredible sound engineer is Keith Oman, who has worked on every single episode since day one eight years ago. Our theme music was created by the gifted team of Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. There's quite the O'Reilly contingent behind the scenes of this show. All show coordination, shipping, and scheduling is handled by the mighty Debbie O'Reilly. Website and podcast posting is managed by Sydney O'Reilly. Research cataloging done by Shay O'Reilly, and audio editing done by Callie O'Reilly. Our amazing under the influence researchers are Warren Brown, Lama Balagi, James Gangle, and Shay Cole. All resourceful. And wonderful. 
A big thank you goes out to Chris Straw, Senior Director of Network Talk at CBC, for all his unwavering support. And to Chris Boyce, Executive Director of CBC Radio, who took a chance on this crazy little show eight years ago. We'll be under the influence again next January. Have a wonderful summer. I'm Terry O'Reilly. under the influence. There's nobody here to take your message right now, but if you leave your name and number, we'll get back to you in January. By the way, I know you've been dreaming of wearing an under the influence t-shirt. Or maybe I was dreaming that. But anyway, we have them for sale on our shop page. And if you listen to the show while sipping a tea or a coffee, have we got the mug for you. Go to terryoreilly.ca slash shop. See you next week.